This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, October 15th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Smart seeks more riders, a sports update with Vinton Cole, Mountain Village Talks comprehensive plan, and a mountain weather forecast. The San Miguel Authority for Regional Transportation is trying to boost the numbers of passengers on its buses. Ridership is still down between 20 and 25 percent from pre-pandemic levels, according to Smart Executive Director David Averill. I'd love to see us get back to our previous pandemic ridership levels by mid-year next year, you know, or by at least the end of next year. Averill spoke at a Smart Board of Directors meeting this week. Smart Operations Manager and Senior Planner Carrie DeStefano adds the pandemic is still on riders' minds. COVID is still a challenge for us. I think people are still worried. One element the transit body plans to promote to get riders back, DeStefano explains, is the environmental benefit to riding the bus. If we can fill our buses to 50% capacity, we get a pretty big, we get a pretty good carbon offset um, with respect to taking people off the roads. For example, our Norwood bus, if we can fill it to 50% capacity, we actually reduce our carbon emissions by um, almost 600 pounds per, per trip. That's a good bite. Most routes fall short of that 50% benchmark, typically hovering between 20 and 40% capacity, except for the Lawson route, which has been running at the 50 to 70% range for most of the year. Smart plans to launch increased marketing in the hopes of growing the numbers. But Averill also adds a big part will be drilling down on busing basics. The way we get people on the bus is riding a consistent, predictable, reliable system. And, and, and making it something that people can absolutely depend on. They know that it's going to show up and things like that. So that also needs to be a part of our focus. But as SMART seeks to boost busing, another transit program may be hitting the brakes. Since before COVID, SMART has been working to launch a regional bike share program. The pandemic pushed them to delay, but now they're approaching a deadline to use needed grant funding. But bikes, Averill explains aren't available. The supply chain right now is upside down. You know, I think some of you know, I used to work in the bike industry. I was worked at bicycle retailers for over a decade in my uh, younger days. And so I still have a lot of connections in the bike industry. And everybody I've polled this last week says it's 2023 until the bike industry supply chains get back to normal. Averill laid out some potential options to look into, including trying to get less expensive, but potentially lower quality bikes. The board is leaving it to him to possibly find a solution. But if he doesn't, they are resigned. The bike share program will at least be on ice for a good while longer. Here's board member Lance Waring. If your prognostication is correct, we're not going to have to talk about this anymore. We're going to have to reapply and get another grant. So I propose that we let it die a quiet death and send that money back or at least put it in our minds that we will be sending that money back. Finally, SMART will kick off its off-season service starting Monday, October 18th. The gondola closes on Sunday night for annual maintenance and will reopen for the winter on Friday, November 19th. Free buses will run between Telluride, Lawson Hill, and Mountain Village every 45 minutes daily from 6.15 a.m. to 11.22 p.m. New this year, SMART will take over the off-season service, which it used to operate with the town of Mountain Village. 
The full off-season schedule is available at smarttelluride.colorado.gov. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. Soccer and volleyball are on the brain at Telluride High School. This week on Sports Roundup, Telluride High School's Finton Cole brings us the latest. Have a listen. I told you, homeboy, you can't touch this. This is Finton Cole on your sports update. Boys Varsity Soccer won to the Oysters on Saturday at home by a score of 11 to 1 and won to the Ridgeway Demons on the road by a score of an action lacking 1 to 0. They are hosting the Pocosa Springs Pirates on Saturday the 16th in hopes of making the playoffs. Taylor Holmes scored against Ridgeway. Girls Varsity Volleyball won to the Caprock Academy Eagles by a score of 3-1 and won to the Ridgeway Demons 3-0. They are on a four-game winning streak and are down to their last games of the regular season as they played the Olave Pirates Thursday and are off to host the Ignacio Bobcats on Saturday the 16th. Hope you make it to the tournament. Emery Berry, Emma Rigetti, and Ali Tialdi were the three heroes of the game as they stocked up on blocks, serving aces, kills, receptions, and digs. There you have it for sports updates. I'm Fintan Cole reporting live from Telluride High School, and we'll see you next week. Mountain Village is getting closer to having an updated comprehensive plan, or comp plan. The plan is the town's guiding light for development. It was first adopted in 2011 with the intention to have it in place for 30 years. But now, just 10 years later, the town is going back to the document for an amendment. The town doesn't anticipate huge changes to the plan, rather amendments that simplify the document and take into consideration economic changes, like Airbnbs or VRBOs, that weren't a reality 10 years ago. On Thursday, Mountain Village Town Council sat down with its design review board and consulting companies to walk through the comp plan draft. The first major change is to clarify the purpose of the plan itself. Here's Ellie Schaefer with MIG, one of the consulting companies. A comprehensive plan is um, intended to serve as a visionary guiding document. It's not a regulatory document. It's not an entitlement, um, and it really shouldn't be written as one. When it comes to the content of the document itself, Schaefer says there are several main areas where MIG has updated the plan organization and clarity of the document, land use policies, public benefits, and unsurprisingly, hotbeds, and community housing. According to Andrew Knudsen with Economic Planning Services, another consultant, Mountain Village should increase its numbers of hotbeds. In EPS's assessment, Knudsen notes they were specifically looking at hotel rooms. In general, um, we believe that hotbeds are particularly important in a community like Mountain Village. And the ability to attract guests and the and their wallets. Uh, let's <laughs> we are as, as interested in the wallets as we are in the guests. Uh, and the spending that is uh, driven by their visitation is critical to the operation of much of the economy, much of the economy throughout the community. But while Knudsen believes Mountain Village needs more hotel units, he adds Mountain Village is doing well with the ones they have. The room rates have increased significantly. 
room rates are comparable to what we're seeing in Pitkin County and Aspen, that's a win uh, in any, to be able to be a peer at that caliber is significant. And in many ways, Mountain Village has um, succeeded with tough competition. Uh, and is doing very well. With that said, Knudsen notes an increase in dollars and occupancy in hotels isn't transferring to people shopping. Retail is flat, and it's hard to understand why retail is flat, uh, given the expansion in, in expenditure potential, as we saw with the guest numbers. So uh, the guests are here, but they're not spending dollars in the stores. But for council member Pete Dupre, focusing a large amount on hotbeds and retail is looking in the wrong direction. There's a lot of emphasis on hotbeds. There's a lot of great analysis. But I, frankly, I think where we are right now is our biggest issue is affordable housing. I, I just think as we look at this document that there's an awful lot of emphasis on hotbeds. And I think we should have the same level of detail around affordable housing. Design Review Board member Adam Miller agrees. He believes a focus on community housing that in turn builds a community vibrancy can tie into a more robust retail economy. The fact is that that the village is pretty dull. It's kind of all the same. We're competing for people with Telluride. They can get on the gondola, they can go right down to Main Street. They can find all kinds of different stores that in my mind are more authentic and more real and give a little bit more experience. When you come to the village, uh, you can tell that it was planned and set up to be a certain thing. It just, there's not a lot of variation because there's not a lot of kind of community input. When it comes to what the community is looking for, Schaefer says the number one amenity they've heard about is parking. The joint body is in support of adding a page to the comp plan that specifically discusses parking in Mountain Village. Following revisions from the work session on Thursday, the comp plan will enter a three-week public review period to get final input from the community. Mountain Village Town Council is scheduled to adopt the amended comp plan in early December. Election season is in full swing, which means every day is another day to discuss the issues. The housing initiatives up for a vote in Telluride this November will be the topic of discussion once again at a town hall debate next week. San Miguel County Commissioner Hillary Cooper will host the debate between representatives of 300 and 2D. There will also be time for questions from the audience. The town hall debate will take place at 6 p.m. on Tuesday, October 19th at the Sheridan Opera House. Campaign materials such as flyers and signs are prohibited. There will be free drinks. And with elections coming up, some key deadlines are fast approaching. KOTO's Scott Franz has more. Colorado has three statewide ballot questions with hundreds of millions of dollars at stake. Amendment 78 will determine whether the governor or the legislature gets to decide how to spend money during emergencies. And locally, several mountain towns are weighing whether to tax or restrict short-term rentals. Voters can check their ballot status or update their registration using an online system at GoVoteColorado.gov. Secretary of State Jenna Griswold says there will be more than 400 ballot drop boxes around the state and almost 150 polling centers. Residents have until October 25th to request a ballot by mail. Election Day is November 2nd. 
I'm Scott Franz in Denver. With winter closer than the horizon, passes in San Miguel County are closing. According to county officials, Black Bear Pass is closed for the winter. Last Dollar remains open. Both Ofer Pass and Imogene Pass are passable at the lower part of the road, but are closed at the summit. Much of the conversation about water in the West is concerned with human use, but it's also an important part of wildlife habitat. Work is underway across the region to make sure birds, insects, mammals, and plants all have thriving places to live near bodies of water. Laura Palmasano from KVNF reports on wetland habitat restoration in the Gunnison Valley. So on the drive-in, you probably noticed that we're basically in a high-elevation desert out here in the sagebrush ecosystem. That's wildlife conservation biologist Nathan Seward, who works for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. On this warm August morning, he's talking to a small group of volunteers. They're here to help with a wet meadow restoration project taking place on public land 20 miles outside of Gunnison. A wet meadow is a riparian area in the arid sagebrush landscape. Always joke around that I should have majored in basket weaving instead of wildlife management because that's definitely a skill we're going to be using today. Volunteers like Peyton Manis weave willow branches into protective barriers. The team also builds with sagebrush and stones collected nearby. I think it's really cool how we're doing it here. It's super low tech, which means that basically anyone can come in and do it. You don't need a lot of training. Volunteers hammer wood posts and use rocks to build simple structures and artificial beaver dams along sections of the creek. These structures slow the water down and spread it out. Max Sawyer says a narrow stream creates a very small strip of habitat going through the valley bottom. By putting these structures in and spreading the water out, we can go from 3 feet of habitat to 10 feet to 20 feet to maybe even 100 feet of habitat. Sawyer is a master's student in environmental management at Western Colorado University. The goal of this restoration project is to get this stream to re-wet more of the valley bottom again, spread it out, move it to the edges of our meadow, reduce some of our upland species that have come down, some of that sagebrush, get it out of the valley bottom, get more of those riparian species in here. Wet meadows and riparian areas in sagebrush country only account for about 2% of the landscape. Trouble for these systems started when white settlers came out west. Instead of taking their wagons through the sagebrush, where it was rocky and rough, they'd follow the edges of the meadows. Conservation biologist Nathan Seward says the wagon wheels created trenches that were reinforced by livestock trailing between water sources and eventually off-road vehicles using the same paths. These trenches caused water to pool. And so when water gets captured in those trails, it speeds up and it becomes more erosive. And it starts to downcut. It starts actually washing away the topsoil and working its way until it finally hits the bedrock. Max Sawyer says these impacts are being sped up by climate change. So we're trying to prevent these systems from disappearing entirely from our landscape. Wet meadows provide critical habitat for deer, elk, migratory birds, pollinators, livestock, and the federally threatened Gunnison sage grouse. They also act as natural sponges, holding water in the soil and slowly releasing it over time. Seward says that is only getting more important as climate change makes the area drier. Everyone knows that water in the West is life. I mean, all life needs water. So by holding more water here in the Gunnison Basin, 
longer and putting it to good beneficial use for wildlife, for our agricultural industries like ranching as well. You know, really everyone benefits from this kind of work. Project organizers say the restoration is working in the Gunnison Basin. Overall, they've seen wetland vegetation double in treated areas since the program started in 2012. This is just one of dozens of watershed restoration projects in Colorado and states across the West. I'm Laura Palmisano in Gunnison. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for clear skies tonight with a low around 25 degrees. Saturday should be sunny during the day and clear at night with a high in the mid-50s and a low around 30. Sunday expect sunny skies with a high near 55 degrees. Sunday night should be partly cloudy with a low around freezing. This has been the news for Friday, October 15th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Everyone who's been suffering. Our world has changed like never before. And it's so sad every day because our lives have changed so much in life today. And so many families suffering like never before. And this killer virus is here to stay. And we are all caught and unaware. And a sadness in the air today. Isolated from our loved ones every day. And there's... No more happiness or joy in our lives today. It's just another loved one who has sadly passed away. And coronavirus walks among us every day. And we try our best to struggle through this horrible coronavirus storm. Trying to stay safe and keep ourselves warm. And the pain and the hurt it's brought us. And there's nothing much to gain. And our peace and love has all gone away. And it's just a lonely tear rolling down my face today. I've been crying all through the night. In this cold, dark, lonely place tonight. And the pain running through me every day. Coronavirus, coronavirus. When will this ever just go away? And I cry for our loved ones who have sadly passed away. And I'm still cocooning away. And every day I'm lost without you in my life. And the world has changed so much today. Coronavirus every day in our lives. And the darkness surrounds the world today. And it's so cold and painful every day. And I feel the chill up and down my spine every day. And our warm hugs and soft kisses have just all faded away. And just like our loved ones fading away all through the night. And nobody to hold at night. And nobody to whisper, I love you, good night. And as a lonely tear rolls down my face, I try to smile in this once beautiful place. And remember her beautiful face as coronavirus has slowly taken her away. But I promise you all, I love and pray for everyone who's suffering from coronavirus every day. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.